Howdy y'all, and welcome to The Great State of Innovation, the podcast of Texas Innovators with me, your host, Cole Carpenter, and I will be joined by my co-host, Judge Gwynn, where we will cover innovation happening in the ninth largest economy in the world, the great state of Texas. This episode is brought to you by Integrity HR Management, the premier professional employer organization of Texas. Integrity HR Management makes modern-day HR simple for your business. Let the professionals remove your headaches and help you get back to doing things that matter. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Great State of Innovation, the podcast of Texas Innovators. It's me, Cole Carpenter, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Judge Gwen. And today, we have Dr. Dudson with us from Thrive. He's here today to talk about his medical practice and the cool things he's doing there and the way he's uh, treating patients and and the unique way he goes about things. So, Dr. Dudson, thank you for coming on and uh, sitting down for a conversation with us today. Hey, I'm happy to happy to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you. So to start things off, uh, doctor, would you please introduce yourself with some background and like uh, some background on your uh, practice as well? Absolutely. Um, I'm originally from Idaho, grew up and born and raised in Idaho, raised my kids in uh, in uh, northern Idaho. Um, but uh, once I went off to college, realized uh, I don't have to live in the cold and the snow and the gray weather and the rain. And <laughs> so I moved south and uh, now call San Antonio home. Uh, my practice is Thrive Head and Spinal Care. Uh, we focus on, I am an upper cervical chiropractor who uh, focuses on a specific area of the neurology in the spine and uh, treat just a really unique uh, group of patients with certain issues like that. So we, we really uh, enjoy what we do. We're passionate about what we do. Um, and um, we're here to here to serve. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are the uh, the most common ailments or symptoms or injuries that, that your practice um, seeks to, to heal and treat? Well, um, we see neck neck pain headaches a lot, mm-hmm. different types of headaches, not all headaches are the same. Um, you know, migraines and uh, tension headaches, uh, the headaches that originate out of the neck uh, type of an area. We also see a substantial number of people who are suffering for different reasons, but are suffering from dizziness, vertigo, or sometimes what's referred to medically as disequilibrium, which is they may not actually be spinning, but they just feel almost like they're on a boat. You can imagine being on a boat on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's just always, their world is always uh, kind of moving on them. And they, ha- they really struggle. Uh, whether that's to work or even just drive a car to get to work can be a challenge and sometimes a, a dangerous situation for them. So it can really, dizziness, vertigo, those disequilibrium can turn people's worlds upside down. We, we also see post-concussion patients. So whether that's from a, originally from a sport, contact sport type event or the ball hits them on the head or, or an auto accident or whatever, is that luckily about three quarters of those patients that experience a concussion will we'll self-recover. They don't necessarily need any care. They just need, the body just needs some time. But about 20 to 25% of those patients, maybe even up to 30% of those patients, they will have uh, two, three months later, they're still having problems that aren't going away. Um, focus issue, brain issue, uh, balance issues a lot of times, sometimes visual issues. Um, and so, again, we, we see a fair amount of those patients and uh, have patients like that that are referred over to the office. 
And then another another uh, common group. There's a condition called disequilibrium. Excuse me, uh, dysautonomia. Uh, um, and really, what that is is there's a part of our nervous system that runs automatically. You know, you and I can't control, for example, and just tell our our blood vessels to, dil to dilate and it makes our face go flush. Uh, we don't control when we eat. We don't have to tell our body to digest. When we're exposed to a bacteria or virus, we don't have to tell our immune system to to attack. Uh, we don't control our heart rate and our blood pressure for the most part. So there's a part of the nervous system that runs on auto, automatic uh, mode, if you will. And for some people, that will go awry. And their nervous system, the automatic part, isn't controlling things. And they'll be sitting there maybe just watching uh, the new Top Gun movie, for example. And, um, and all of a sudden, their blood pressure drops or their blood pressure goes up. Or maybe I'm just sitting there petting my dog and all of a sudden my, my, uh, my heart rate just goes crazy on me. So they, they get all of these things that happen that the body should in the nervous system should be controlling properly and automatically, and, and, uh, and it's not. And again, we work with those types of people also trying to help their nervous system uh, basically reboot, rebalance, and function like it was designed to do. So that really is kind of the, the main group of types of people that, that we see here in this clinic. That's, that's very interesting. Now, Dr. Dutson, I understand that you had your own personal experience that kind of led you onto this path to where you are today. Would you mind getting into that uh, for, for us? Uh, absolutely. So when I was in high school up in Idaho, uh, friends and I, we had uh, motorcycles uh, and we were riding up in the mountains on some logging roads. And uh, I came around a corner. I was coming down a logging road that I thought that I had driven up on. And there was what they call a choker cable. The loggers use them. And it's just basically a steel cable that was stretched across the road to keep cars out. And I came around the corner and and it was just there. And I didn't have a time to react. And uh, basically, my motorcycle just ran right into it. And it uh, scraped up, scraped the handlebars and popped up off that, caught me in the throat and, uh, and, and pulled me off the bike. Um, went to the emergency room and uh, make a long story short, uh, uh, orthopedist was involved, checked out neuro neurologically, had to wear a solid neck brace for six weeks. But ever since that motorcycle accident, I had almost daily headaches. Now, some days were mild, some days were severe, where I literally couldn't go to school or whatever, couldn't function. But I always had headaches. And my doctors at the time said, well, it's a residual of the accident. Uh, you're just going to have to learn how to live with it. And we need, when it gets really bad, you know, we can give you some pain medication and muscle relaxants and so forth. And so I did. Uh, that's all I knew, and I did it. And I graduated high school, went into the Navy, and I was stationed on the uh, the aircraft carrier, the Enterprise. And I went down one day to sick call because of my headaches. Because when you're in the military, you don't get out of duty, right? So you, you, you got to step up to the plate. And so I went down to get some medication to help me, you know, continue to function with that, with that headache. And I got a very young uh, medical doctor who took the time to sit down and listen. And he said, tell me about this. Instead of just giving me the meds again, you know, he just said, tell me about what happened. I told him the story. And he said, have you ever considered going to a chiropractor? He said, uh, and I said, well, they told me my x-ray is all normal now and all that. And he said, well, you know, that x-ray is like a still picture. It's like you show me a picture of your car. I'll never forget he said this. It's like you show me a picture of your car. Now, that picture tells me a lot. I can tell that it doesn't have a big dance. I can tell it's got a nice paint job. But that picture doesn't tell me how your car runs. And quite honestly, it didn't even tell me if your car starts. So that x-ray, 
is normal, but it doesn't tell me how your how your neck runs and how it moves and if it moves correctly and all that since the accident. So anyway, he he said I'd really like to send you over to this chiropractor, and so he sent me over there, and I started getting care to my neck, and what I noticed over a period of a relatively sh short period of time, a few weeks, maybe a month or two, it just kept getting better and better and better until I wasn't having any more headaches at all. And I, I literally remember I was stationed, the, the, the uh, Enterprise was in the shipyard in Bremerton, Washington. I was driving home from, from an appointment, getting my neck checked uh, at that chiropractor. Dr. Fred Cody was his name. And I remember driving home and realized this changed my life. And I realized that at that moment that I, when I get out of the Navy, I still had two years left. When I get out of the Navy, I'm going to go learn how to do that. I'm going to go get that education so I can do for other people what's been done for me. And that's when I made the decision that I was going to, uh, when I got out of the Navy, I was going to go to chiropractic college, get that training. And I was going to do for other people what was done for me. Yeah, that's amazing how you're taking this personal approach to your practice. You know, it's a passion and that, that's amazing. And that you're bringing that down to your patients as well. That's really awesome. Yeah. And also, I mean, were, were you on the healthcare trajectory before that, Dr. Dudson, or did that kind of completely throw you into that space? It completely threw me into that space. I wasn't on it at all. Um, yeah, no, it, it totally set the trajectory for the rest of my life. And, and I'll tell you what was really the great part about it because of that personal experience. Um, what I do has never been a job. And a lot of people, you know, they have their job and, you know, they go and they clock in, they clock out. And I've been blessed that I never have had that experience because I have always sincerely been passionate because I've been on the other side of the fence when I was on the, when I was suffering. And, uh, and I know what that's like. It's from a personal experience. So it, it's, it's really great to have, to be able to spend your life doing something that you are truly passionate about. It really is. And, and from a, a marketing branding standpoint, Dr. Dudson, you already kind of captured the most important thing that, that customers and people are looking for nowadays is to align with a person and a brand that understands what they're feeling. You know, you understand how miserable some of these cases and these people are in their daily lives and things they can't control. And you're able to, to solve that and give solutions, not just kind of find a medication as you, as you alluded to earlier. Um, I'm interested in, in kind of the process, Dr. Dudson. If, if I were a new patient, what can I kind of expect your process to entail? Mm -hmm. um, in this type of work, working in the cranial cervical junction, the head and neck junction, um, it's really important that, well, let me tell you, start off by what we don't would do. We don't just have a person come in and say, well, let's try some care for a couple of weeks and just see how things go. What we do is we do not move forward with any recommendation, whether that's care in this office or refer, refer to a different specialist until we thoroughly understand the why. If you're coming in and you've got dizziness or vertigo or you've got chronic headaches or you've, your, your autonomic part of your nervous system isn't functioning why, correctly, I, I, we need to figure out the why. And then the why dictates what should be done to try to make it better or to get it resolved. So in our office, what we do when a person comes in on the very first visit, we sit down and we have a thorough consultation. I sit down with the patient one-on-one -on -one and I, I ask them to tell me what's going on. You know, yes, I look at the intake paperwork and all that stuff's important, but I want them to tell me in their own words, what's going on, how's it impacting your life? Uh, let me know you know, what, what all is developing here and, and help me understand it better. And then what we do on that very first visit is we do a, a complete uh, ortho neuro exam and, you know, the usual stuff that hopefully uh, every doctor is doing. 
And then we start doing some very specialized testing uh, of the upper cervical, the head neck junction, because really that's where that's where the, the neurology is. That's where the Houston control is, if you will, for those old enough to remember the, uh, <laughs> the, the lunar landings and all that. You know, the, the, the discussion back and forth from the astronaut was, was uh, you know, from Houston control. Well, Houston control in our nervous system is, is this junction between our head and our neck. And, and at the base in the head, at the base of the head is what's called the brainstem. That's Houston control for the neurology. And, um, and so we need to know, is it controlling the nervous system correctly? Because we live our life through our nervous system. I mean, we see things, we smell, we touch. Everything we do on a daily basis, it, it, we live that through our nervous system. And so we wanna go to Houston control and so we do very specialized testing. If they, if they have balance issues, I have special equipment that allows me to actually track um, how well their balance is working when their eyes are open, when their eyes are closed, when they turn their head to the right, turn their head to the left, and so forth. We, uh, we, we do some testing, specialized testing, to see how well their autonomic part of the nervous system is functioning. And then we take some very unique digital x-rays uh, of this junction between your head and neck. It's not standard neck x-rays. These are specialized x-rays for analyzing that area. So we take them from different angles, which gives us a three-dimensional perspective. And we, we are measuring, I have special software that allows me to measure the bone, the junctions, the joints in there to a hundredth of a degree. And we know what the normal range is. So it allows me to confirm if there's a problem in that area and, and literally to a hundredth of a degree, how it's not normal. Because if we're gonna to try to fix that, we have to know from a three-dimensional perspective how it's, how it's off, how it's abnormal, and thereby applying potentially stress to the nervous system and so forth. And so that's a special. So, so the first visit is all about understanding exactly what's going on for that person, what they're experiencing, and then doing this very specialized testing uh, and then the patient leaves after that first visit. And then I've got work to do because I've got to go in and do all those measurements and so forth. So I have several hours of work of analyzing those pictures, correlating it with what the exam findings and if there was balance testing and so forth. And basically, I always see it as pieces of a puzzle. And my job is to is to take those pieces of a puzzle and, and figure out how they fit together uh, and then see what what kind of picture it, it paints it paints for me. So that's the first visit. Uh, the patient will come back uh, and we do what we call a report of findings. After I've done all of that, then they're going to come back in uh, and we're going to sit down. I have a big flat screen TV in one of my rooms and we basically put their posture pictures up and their measurements of that. We put the x-rays up and the measurements of that. We put all the testing results up and we just go through them. We're going through all those pieces of that puzzle and we're putting the puzzle together and we're, we're seeing what it tells us. And, and the results dictate what is recommended uh, for care. If there is a problem at this head neck junction, the cranial cervical junction, or we commonly refer to as the CCJ, then I have special instruments laser, that have lasers mounted on them, laser guided instruments that we begin the process of making the correction to that area to start to reduce down the neurologic stress and any other components that may may be involved there that are negatively in fact impacting the nervous system in the brain so on that second visit if they if this is what they need they will receive their very first adjustment on that on that second visit 
Um, and then also what's unique with this is after that first uh, adjustment is done, they'll rest for a little bit in a zero gravity chair. We have a special room for that. We're just basically the zero gravity chair take, helps take a lot of the weight of the head, which in an adult this averages about 12 pounds and it's squishing down on the neck. So we put them into a position that takes a lot of that weight of that head off of their neck. So the adjustment gets a chance to kind of quote unquote settle in. And then we go back in and we take just two of the views again, pictures uh, from the front and from the top. And I, and I remeasure everything again. Uh, it's kind of like if you can imagine, it's like if you've got a new rifle and a scope on it and you, you shoot at a target, at some point you got to put the rifle down and go, go look at the target, right? Mm -hmm. You need to know whether you were aiming for the, for the bullseye, but the question is, were you hitting it? Um, and if you go and look at that target and you realize I'm aiming at the bullseye, but I'm always hitting a little bit you know, high into the right, then it tells me I need to adjust my scope a little bit so that I start hitting the bullseye. We do the same thing in this work is because we want to try to help them and we want to try to help them as quickly as we can. So I, I have an initial prescription of the three dimensional angles to go in. I use the instrument to do that, but uh, that can't account for scar tissue and other issues that may be going on in that individual. And we're treating that individual person, not a cookbook approach where everyone gets the same treatment. So we do the, with the post analysis, I remeasure everything again. And the next time on the, which would be the third time they, they come back. I tell them what I learned from that. I tell them if I need to adjust the scope, so to speak, on the instrument to make it as effective as possible. And then we really just set a game plan from there. Now we've got it fine-tuned, we've got it honed down, we know what we need to do. And then we set whatever treatment plan we need to to, to get across the finish line. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's really, it's really unique and I imagine very comforting for your patients because you they, they can see how kind of in-depth you go on them and it's, as you said, it's not kind of a one-size-fits-all approach. Would you Would you say that your patients, kind of much like you did in your young age, after they go through your process and care, they kind of view their body and, and uh, how they heal a little differently? Well, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, part is because I think part of the treatment process is one, explain to them what's happening. It's very helpful, you know, if, if I'm suffering from whatever's going on, if I, if I understand, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, we, a person gets a name, they get a diagnosis. Well, you have this and, and, and it's not explained what's going on, what's wrong in the body. So if they understand what's going on, and then the second thing that's really important is that I have to understand that it takes time for the body to heal. So, and another unique thing to understand is a lot of times by the time they come in with their symptom, the underlying problem actually has been developing for sometimes an extended period of time. The research says that at least to this upper neck where it connects to the head area, that's the most unstable part of your spine. It doesn't have any discs that help kind of anchor, what they're called Sharpie's fibers that anchor the bones together. And it, it has different joints than the whole rest of your spine. Uh, all the rest of your, the joints in your spine have what are called bony locks. And all that really means is the bone, one bone can move so far and it comes against the other, the bony side of the joint on the other side. And that, and that little bony wall says, okay, bone, that's as far as you're going to go. But what's unique in this upper neck area is the joints are angled totally different and they do not have a bony lock. So they're more susceptible to trauma. So for some people, the, the trauma or the injuries that set the stage, according to the literature, could have happened 10 to 20, sometimes even longer than that years ago. You know, an old football injury or whatever. Um, or sometimes it's a cumulative effect of multiple little traumas. But the point being is that it, it, 
it made things be abnormal in there. And then gradually over the years, it, it has negative effects that start to cause that area to degenerate. You start growing maybe bone spurs, all, all of this negative stuff starts happening. And they, during that early and mid process, they could be totally asymptomatic, no symptoms. Maybe I had, you know, I had some neck pain or whatever when I had the car accident, somebody ran into me at sitting when I'm in a stoplight or maybe that old football injury. But, you know, a few weeks later, the soreness went away, the muscle uh, spasms went away, the inflammation went away, and I thought I was fine. But in a percentage of those people, it healed, but it is no longer like it was before the trauma. It's different. If I can give you a quick example of that, if I burn my hand, and I go get the best burn center care. And at a certain point, they say, you're healed, you're done. For the rest of my life, if you see me, you will know that my hand was burned. That skin will never look the same as my other hand. Now, is it healed? It's absolutely healed. But the next question is, did it heal normally? No, that skin will never be normal again. That same thing can happen from trauma on the inside to our ligaments and to our joints. Where they heal up, but they're never the same again. They're inherently weaker. We've got scar tissue in there. And that over the next handful of years or even decades can affect how that body part works. It can accelerate the degenerative process. And so a person may, you know, two weeks ago, wake up with severe neck pain or dizziness or whatever. But what we find is a percentage of the time that the problem that set the stage for them to wake up with that happened years ago. I'll give you really two quick examples that people I think can relate to. But I'll tell my patients, I said, you know, if you know somebody who who had a heart attack, um, do you think they got the heart disease the day they got the heart attack? And of course, the answer is no. I mean, it's just obvious. People say no. And I remind them that that heart disease, that clogging up their arteries, that's been developing for decades, but it was no symptoms until it got so severe one day the first, oftentimes the very first symptom for cardiovascular disease is a heart attack. Um, I may wake up at three o'clock in the morning with a with acute tooth pain. And of course it always happens in the middle of the night or a weekend, right? So I, and I gotta go see an, an emergency dentist, but, and they say, you got this massive cavity in there. Well, I didn't get that cavity at three o'clock in the morning. That cavity has been developing for a long period of time. So yes, patients leave with a different idea about um, how this problem developed, that it didn't just necessarily start the moment I got the symptom. And I remind them that you've got sometimes 10 or 20 years in the development of this, it's not gonna go away tomorrow. And so they get a much more accurate, realistic understanding. And then also, I also remind them the importance, that opens the door for a discussion about, you know, our lifestyle choices and preventative, doing things preventatively to take care of our body and not just do things when we get a symptom. So yeah, I hope if I'm doing my job right, they leave with a whole different perspective on how they got into this situation and then hopefully change their life of what they do from this point forward as far as taking care of their body, taking care of themselves. You know, my grandmother used to always say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, being proactive as opposed to reactive in your health is something uh, very vital to, to longevity, I feel. So that's amazing. Um, so Dr. Dyson, how have uh, your methods of treatment changed since you started practicing as far as like major innovations or advancements in your field? Can Is there anything that's kind of changed the way you operate? Uh, absolutely. I, I love that question. And, and this is, again, where it just makes the passion, you know, times 10. Um, 
what we've been seeing uh, in in the last uh, five to ten years is just like in all other industries, innovation and technology. So we're they're coming out with equipment now that allows us diagnostically to allow us to get a, a an even better, more detailed evaluation of what's going on. Um, for example, I'll give you one of the biggest innovations that's occurred is, you know, we've had MRIs for a long time, but MRIs were always done laying down because the equipment required that. And when it comes to looking at the neck, for an example, the MRI and, the, and specifically the software, we have seven bones in our neck, but the MRI started looking at the second, the, the second bone down. So a standard neck MRI, for example, um, is done laying down and it doesn't give any detailed imaging of where your head connects to the first bone in your neck and where the first bone in your neck connects to the second bone in your neck. And if you remember that, that whole kind of general area, that's where Houston control is. That's where the hub of the, of the computer technology is that controls everything, the software, if you will. And we haven't been able to image it, um, from an MRI perspective. And also we, we figured out that when you lay a person down, the spine and, and the way the disc look and so forth, they don't, they don't look the same because you're non-weight bearing. Well, we don't go to work laying down and we, you know, we don't go through our life laying down. We're, we're up and active. We're weight bearing. We have the weight of our head squishing down on your, on your spine and your discs. Uh, it changed the, the tension on the, on the spinal cord. Um, the fact that we're upright with gravity. So they came out with a new type of an MRI that's, that's an upright MRI that allows you to, to sit in a chair, for example, the ones that we, when we need to order these, the person's sitting up in a chair, so they're weighted. You've got gravity on the system. You've got the weight of their head on the system. It's more real life. And then the second thing is they finally came up with software that allows us to image this upper neck, this cranial cervical junction, this head neck junction. So we can go in and take these minute little slices and we can look in there and we can evaluate and we can measure and we can do all this stuff with this new upright MRI. And one of the one of the things that was discovered since we've been able to get those types of special images is it was discovered that when when you get a kink or you've knocked off the alignment of this upper part of your neck where it connects to your head, that top bone can rotate, it can turn and the actual bone can press up against one of the main veins. It's called the internal jugular vein that drains blood from your brain once it's been used. So it literally can imagine you're putting your foot on a garden hose. There's not the same amount of water that's going to come out of the garden hose. That bone, if it twists, we can see it on the MRI. It literally is like a foot on a garden hose. And now your blood cannot drain properly from your brain, from your head. And so you start getting this back pressure building up. Well, as I get more back pressure building up in my head, then the blood that's trying to go up in the arteries to go up to the brain, fresh blood, it's got oxygen and nutrients. It has a harder time getting into the head because of this back pressure. And, and when this goes on for months or years, because you don't know it's happening, the, the researchers now are looking is, can this help, can this set the stage for developing as the years roll on neurodegenerative uh, disease occurring in the brain? And uh, under that heading of neurodegenerative brain diseases are things like MS and Parkinson's and so forth. Now, again, right now, the research isn't saying it causes that stuff, but they're wondering, does it help set the stage that increases the chances that my brain starts to degenerate at a faster rate 
And that also includes things like Alzheimer's and dementia. And, um, and, and the cool part is we've shown with the type of care that we provide here, they've done studies where they've MRI'd them, they showed that that was happening. You move the bone back and they MRI them again and it showed that that, that vein opened back up again. You move the bone away from the vein and now you've restored blood flow. So one of the times, one of the things that a patient sometimes will be reporting is they don't necessarily have a headache, but they report that they feel all this pressure in their head and pressure back where their head and neck connect. And for me, that, that's an instant, my ears perk up, that's an instant red flag that we might be uh, dealing with. So, you know, dealing with this fluid flow. And if I, if I get an alteration in how the blood flows to and from my brain, and if that changes in a negative way, then that has a bleed over effect to start because of the pressure that builds up in the head that can start to interfere with the normal circulation of my cerebral spinal fluid flow. So back in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, when this type of specialty work first started, they didn't have a clue that a problem in that area was had the potential to interfere with fluid flow, CSF flow, blood flow to and from the brain. They, they thought everything was you know, irritation to the nerve, stress to the nervous system. And now we realize that some of these patients actually have um, fluid flow issues that's setting, potentially setting the stage up for accelerated rate of neurodegeneration in the brain. And one last thing on that is it also allows us now to specifically look at the ligaments that give the integrity to these bones up there in the top of the neck. And we can now identify that certain of those bones from previous traumas have been damaged or some of them have been flat out torn. And that explains why that person has such severe instability. And so one of the newest things that's come about now is we can identify that with a special type of an MRI that sometimes I need to order on patients and I can send them to a specialist. We have uh, specialists now that are injecting stem cells into those damaged ligaments where it connects your neck to your head and they can grow new, new uh, ligament tissue and they can regain stability. And I'm telling you that is giving people their life back. And that is what, is absolutely exciting about where we're going with this type of work. Wow, that that is amazing, and thank you for wow. That's a, a, a your deep well of knowledge on that. Thank you for for that insight. And we talked about it a little earlier, Doctor Dudson, and, and you kind of you explained you know y'all's process when you take on a new patient and kind of what they can expect when the, when they go under your care. Um, but can you go a little deeper and kind of how that process finds those real solutions and not just provides a short term fix? I know you know you talked about how you kind of take you know each of those first three visits to do your own comprehensive deep dive and then kind of relay what you find with the with the patient but uh can you go a little more into kind of how you find those real solutions mm -hmm. so again the key is it really for me from my uh perspective when i'm starting to work with uh somebody uh who's suffering is i'm always asking myself why you know and so the the, the the diagnostic workup, the consultation is all about trying to get to that why. And again, in this particular case, I'm not only looking for, is there a problem with the actual structure, you know, in the upper neck and where it meets the head and so forth, but I'm also uh, doing testing, looking at function. Um, and I want to know, are there, are certain systems malfunctioning? And I have tests that help me do that. Um, we mentioned about the balance plate. I can actually uh, have them uh, move in certain positions, put their body in certain positions, um, have their eyes open and closed. And I'm looking for functionally, when I do that, does, you know, do they go into a tailspin, for example, with their symptoms? 
because I know as it, let's just use eyes open, eyes closed as an example. So if I have them do a test where they have a task to do, like march in place, um, and uh, and I have them do it with their eyes open, and they do it with flying colors, and and they don't march, you know, way forward. They don't march across the room. They don't march and turn. Um, and then I have them do the exact same test, but I have them do it with their eyes closed, and they fail the test. Um, they they you know they take off. They think they're marching in place. They always say that. Oh, gosh, I thought you know when they open up their eyes, the test is all done. They say, man, I, I they find themselves across the room, and they're like, I can't believe this. I I thought I was marching in place. Well, from my from my perspective, I know neurologically and in the brain what's happening when I have them close their eyes. I'm doing that on purpose. And I know what part of the brain is involved with, versus eyes open by eyes closed. So if I see a dramatic uh, going into a tailspin when I take their eyes away from them, for example, neurologically, that gives me a strong indication that there is a, a problem in a certain part of their nervous system called the proprioceptive part of the nervous system. We have all these different rooms in our nervous system. It's like rooms in a house. and and. The proprioceptive system, for example, is giving feedback to the brain so the brain knows where the body parts are. The brain knows if I'm sitting, standing, lying down, leaning to the right, falling to the right. Uh, it's that part of the nervous system that does that. And if I develop, that's the part of the nervous system, for example, if I have my arm out straight and I'm not looking at my arm, I don't even see it. Well, I know my arm is straight. And then if I bend my elbow, I know my elbow is bent. I don't have to visually see it because these special type of, of sensors in our muscles and in our tissues around our joints is sending that information back to the brain and it, and it, uh, it knows. So if I'm out hiking and I'm not paying attention, I'm walking where I'm walking and I, I unexpectedly, you know, step off of a, into a hole or uh, I step off of a, if I'm on a sidewalk and I didn't see the curb because I was busy on my phone or talking to somebody or whatever. And, and I unexpectedly step off that. Um, my body might be starting to fall to the right. Well, this is your proprioceptive system that saves you when everything is working right. Because in a millionth of a second, it tells your brain that Greg's fallen off to the right. And my brain analyzes that situation and my brain hopefully responds appropriately. And it tightens up muscles on the left side of my body and it pulls me back towards center of gravity and it tries to prevent me from falling and, and saves me from getting an injury. That's when the system works right. But when that proprioceptive, and again, that a lot of that correlation is occurring in, in and around our brainstem and our upper neck. We have more of those special type of sensors telling our brain what's going on in the body. We have more of those sensors in one gram of, of tissue in our where our head and neck meet than anywhere else in the human body. I'll give you a quick example. We have about 242 per gram tissue in the tissues that, that in the connection between our head and our neck. Those big, huge muscles in your low back, quadratus lumborum, they're called the big beefy muscles in our low back. They have approximately about 40 of those sensors per gram of tissue. So I got this big body part, my low back, and it's only got 40 and I got about 240 per gram where my head connects. So again, if I get a problem in that area, where my head and neck connect, whether it's from an old injury or sleeping on my stomach for years or whatever, whatever kind of set the stage for the development of that, then my proprioceptive system isn't working like it should. It's not working 100%. So my brain, in, in, it'll try to 
try to figure out a solution. It's like, if I can't fix that problem myself, the brain says, okay, I, I need some help here. I need a crutch. And so what your brain will do is your brain will use your eyes. Now your eyes should only be putting in about 10% of the information to your brain to know what, what's going on in your body and where you are and what's happening and all that. It's only about 10% under normal circumstances. But if my proprioceptive system is malfunctioning in my upper neck and my brain realizes it's not getting all the information it needs to make appropriate responses to activities throughout the day, it will start to ask for more information from your eyes. And the patient doesn't even know that's happening, but the brain's using your eyes to, as a crutch. Well, I can do tests that identify that that's happening. And I know that the brain is doing that. If I have them do the same test and I have them do it with their eyes closed and they fail the test, then I know the brain is using the eyes as a crutch. And that leads me back to figuring out that I've got a problem in the proprioceptive system. So that's what I mean by trying to figure out the why. So, so the person's not just getting some generic treatment is that you're trying to hit the bullseye. You're trying to identify exactly who are the players in the game that's causing them to have these issues. And once I've identified them, then if there's things that I can do to re kind of reboot the system, reset it, if there's this alteration in fluid flow that we talked about to improve that situation. And sometimes there's other players in the game. And so sometimes with certain patients with a really complex case, I need to put together a team. So sometimes their eyes aren't tracking right, maybe because they had a previous concussion. And the scientific literature says that if you had head trauma, you had neck trauma. Because some people say, well, I had a concussion, but I, I never had any symptoms in my neck. The, the scientific literature says if you had head trauma, you had neck trauma. So it can interfere with this proprioceptive part. So sometimes I have to put together a team. Sometimes I work with neurooptometrists to help. They will work to help get those eyes tracking straight, feeding in proper visual. So the left eye isn't telling the brain one thing and the right eye telling the brain another, and the brain gets confused. Uh, sometimes they, they have, it's, it's uh, negatively impacting how their jaw moves and they've got a TMJ problem. And so sometimes again, I'll, I'll pull in onto the team a TMJ dentist. Um, so we uh, just work with different people. Sometimes they, now their inner ear is not functioning right. It's called the vestibular system. And that's contributing to their dizziness or their vertigo or the disequilibrium. And so sometimes in addition to what I do here in the office, I'll also work, uh, we work sometimes with this uh, physical therapist who specializes in the inner ear and the vestibular system. So sometimes it takes a tribe to help, help somebody that's got a lot of, a really a complicated in-depth case. And, but our, at the end of the day, our goal is to figure out the why, not just chase symptoms. That's like a dog trying to chase its tail. <laughs> we're trying to figure out the why, and we're trying to, if, if necessary, put together a team so that we can address the, the, the players of the game that are causing the problem and, uh, and try to make as, as much of a change or resolution of that situation as possible. So that person can get on with their life and get, you know, get their quality. It's not just about how you feel, but it's about how it impacts your quality of life. Uh, these people may be doing functioning enough to go to work, but even at, at work, they're not going to be able to perform. So it's going to even impact at work. Even if they can function enough to go to work, um, they're not functioning at 100%. So it's even it's going to affect production at work. It affects quality of life at home. It can affect relationships at home. It, it has far-reaching effects when the, when the body's not, not at the top of its game. 
Certainly. And, and, and as you as you kind of illustrated, a lot of times it does take like a holistic approach and and kind of looking at how everything interacts and influences each other. You know, as you mentioned, working with other providers and even dental providers just to kind of see, you know, maybe some areas where you can give your patients some extra relief. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience practicing in Idaho, Dr. Dudson? I know you I believe you were on the National Board of Chiropractic Care um, and, you know, kind of. Uh, reading your bio, uh, could you kind of get into what you observed that kind of showed how common it was for patients to heal faster by seeing an upper cervical chiropractor? Absolutely. So, yeah, I had the privilege when I practiced, uh, I practiced up in Idaho for about uh, 20 years or a little over 20 years. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity to sit on the National Board of Examiners, it's called Chiropractic hmm. National Board of Examiners. And um, uh, new doctors coming out of school. Well, while they're in school, they have to take national board exams. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're going to become a medical doctor, a chiropractic doctor, or a dentist, uh, you have to take national board exams. And so I had an opportunity to influence um, the quality of the new doctors coming out uh, by being involved with the exams that they had to take to pass and make sure that the stuff that was on the exam was really clinically relevant. Um, and then I also had an opportunity, I was appointed by the governor to um, sit on the state board of examiners. And the, and the state board of examiners is not there to, to benefit or protect the profession. They're there to protect the people, the public. And, and that was a great honor to ensure that, uh, that uh, doctors were, were honoring that, that, that oath of, of doing no harm and treating the patient ethically and honestly. And, and so, um, and then if a particular doctor is not doing that, you have the opportunity to protect the public by um, taking action with that, uh, in regards to that doctor to either get him or her up to speed or, or to possibly not let them practice anymore in, that, in your state. So that, that, that was a, a great opportunity. But when I was up there, I initially came out as a general chiropractor and, there's, and there's, there are differences. Uh, uh, when you first graduate uh, as a general chiropractor, uh, I saw a lot of, uh, you know, back pain, neck pain, headaches was primarily what I saw. Um, and there were certain cases that I realized that that wasn't specialized enough care. And I would refer them to an upper cervical doctor. And unfortunately up there, uh, there's just not a lot of upper cervical doctors across the country that specialize in this. And so the patients had to travel a couple of hours, hour and a half, two hours to go see that doctor. But when I would refer them there, because again, my ultimate goal was to try to get to the bottom of what was going on and help the patient get well. So I would refer them there, and I noticed that a lot of the patients that I sent there um, had profound results. And when I saw that, I realized, again, that it gets back to my mission when I was a patient, is I want to learn how to help other people and do for them that was what was done for me. So I realized, as I was practicing as a general chiropractor, that I wanted to go back to school, postgraduate training, and I wanted to learn uh, how to uh, uh, move into and practice this specialty of upper cervical care. Uh, and that required, again, going back to school and training to learn that advanced training. It's like a medical doctor coming out of medical school, but then if they want to be a dermatologist or an orthopedic surgeon, they have to go to additional training um, uh, and testing and all that kind of stuff. So it was because of the results when I would refer some of my patients to an upper cervical doctor that I realized that uh, it was time for me to go back to advanced training. And uh, that was the next level that I needed to do. So, uh, so that's what I did. When my kids headed off to college, that was a golden opportunity uh, to sell my practice in Idaho and, um, and, 
finish up my advanced training in, in the cranial cervical junction. And Dr. Dutson, where did you uh, receive that training? Was that here in, uh, in San Antonio or was that somewhere no, else? Most of, it was at, most of it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And then I also went down to Florida because part of that training was to do advanced training in uh, uh, neurology and specifically what's referred to as functional neurology. And so I did that training in uh, at the Carrick uh, uh, courses through the Carrick Institute, which is down in Florida. Very cool. So you you really touched on this and you really got into it. But uh, why should someone seek this type of care, like and choose you over another provider? You know, or let's say a general chiropractor. You know, would do you do everything that a general chiropractor does, but you add in the upper cervical? aspect to it? Or can you break that down a little bit for us? Absolutely. And, and actually, I, I get asked that a lot, even from my patients. Um, and the answer is, is that the upper, cerv upper cervical care does not replace general chiropractors. Okay. Um, and it's not that one is better than the other. It is, it is it's specialized care right. for patients who, who need that. So for example, we all hopefully we all have our, our PCP, our primary care provider, our family doctor, right? But there's certain times where uh, that you need more advanced training or more, maybe advanced skills or advanced diagnostic you know, tools uh, uh, to get to the bottom of the problem. And that's where your family doctor would refer you. You know, if it, if it looks like an orthopedic problem, they're going to refer you to an orthopedic surgeon. Um, or if they happen to di diagnose a serious condition or maybe something like cancer, then they're going to refer you to a cancer specialist. Now, the cancer specialist or the orthopedic surgeon or the neurologist or whoever, whoever that specialist might have been, that they don't replace the, the family doctor. They just have specialized training and, and they provide us very specialized care. Well, it's the same thing is that we have general chiropractors uh, and, and then, and you have to be that first, just like a medical doctor before they can become an orthopedic surgeon, they have to become you know, a general medical doctor first and then they can go to advanced training. It works the same way for in, uh, in the chiropractic profession. Uh, you have to get your chiropractic training, chiropractic degree um, and then as a, as a chiropractor, you can actually go on and become board certified as a radiologist. You can go into this uh, cranial cervical junction work. Um, and so you can specialize, but it requires you to go back to it for advanced training. So, uh, so I have some patients who are referred here, just like I did when I was in Idaho. I have patients who are referred to, to uh, Thrive Head and Spinal Care um, that were seeing their general chiropractor. And their general chiropractor realized that they need more. They needed more specialized workup and potentially treatment, um, and so their generalized chiropractor referred them here. So I, I think it's really important for everyone to understand that that uh, it it doesn't uh, being an upper cervical doctor doesn't mean that there's no need for general chiropractors or vice versa. It's just really a different specialty. And thank goodness we have general practitioners. And thank goodness uh, in medicine and dentistry and chiropractic and veterinary medicine. Uh, we have, we have general practitioners who we absolutely need and they do a ton of great work. And then we need specialists who can really go and take the deep dive and get the additional training and education, um, uh, to work in a very specialized area and, and, and be able to provide those type of results. Yeah. Thank you for that, for that frame of thought. Um, so Dr. Dr. Dudson, um, you know, as you, would you say, is there something that you do differently than upper uh, than other upper cervical chiropractors that would you would say is like innovative or what is what would you say is like your innovation within your space? Um, when you do upper cervical care, you have the option to if you do have to do an adjustment or a correction, 
you have the option to do it by hand um, or you have the option to use uh, uh, laser guided instruments. Um, something that we uh, focus and specialize on here is we have the laser guided instruments. Um, uh, my feeling about that is, is that, you know, we're even seeing that in surgery, right? You can do surgery by hand, but you're seeing more and more surgeries done with, uh, with the assistance of, of robotics. Right. Uh, because you can sometimes be more precise. You can dial in very specific angles for the, for the robot to go in to do, doing the surgery and so forth. It's, it's still overseen by the doctor, the surgeon, but, but we're using technology to help us. Uh, in the upper cervical type of care that we provide here, we use la uh, laser guided instruments. I have two different types. Um, and it allows me, it, again, remember from the analysis and the, uh, that we do on those, those uh, precise uh, special x-rays, I'm able to measure uh, to, a, to a hundredth of a degree, and I'm looking at it from a three-dimensional perspective. And so with the instrument, I'm able to dial that in exactly. If I need to, one of the approaches on those three dimensions, let's just say needs to come in at 23.5 degrees. I can dial the instrument exactly in at 23.5 degrees. I can control the exact depth uh, and so forth. Uh, I can dial all of that into the instrument. And then again, it's reproducible. Obviously, if I need to do, when I need to do a second adjustment, um, I, and I can dial in those exact same angles and depth and all of that again, so I can reproduce it exactly as the, the first treatment. Um, and so that's, that's why I use the instrument. Um, uh, it, it really helps on the precision. And this is all about precision uh, working in this area. Um, so that's one of the things. The other thing I think that makes us unique in this particular upper cervical office is I think it really helps again because of my experience as a patient. Uh, it was so refreshing when I was on the enterprise and, and that doctor that saw me at sick call took the time to sit down and, and ask the right questions and, and most importantly, to listen, to take the time to listen. And the way we schedule patients and so forth is set up exactly for that. We're, we're not trying to, we don't, we don't practice our office. We're not trying to see a patient every five to eight minutes or 10 minutes. We are focused in on taking the time necessary to do, to do it right. And especially with a new patient to take the time to listen and understand what's really going on. Um, and that really helps us when we understand what's going on, we, we can serve them better. So I think that's, we hear that back from a lot of patients that's different about our office is, my gosh, you really listened. And, and I hope to think that they can tell that we really care because we really do care about trying to help them. Yeah, and I think I mean just just from this this nice conversation we've had, Doctor Dudson, I think your authenticity shines through pretty pretty uh, seamlessly. Um, and I you know we've had a great conversation, and, and thank you so much for joining us today. Just to close it out, I, I'm just curious to get, kind of get some of your personal thoughts. Um, you know, in in your opinion, Doctor Dudson, uh, what are the biggest misconceptions around uh, chiropractic care, upper cervical care that that are kind of out there today? Yeah, and I think this really covers uh, uh, chiropractic care in general. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, is um, people think that it's that uh, it's dangerous. Um, and statistically, uh, it's been proven that, again, any care can have an issue or a problem. It's like the, the, nothing is 100 percent guaranteed. But the incidences of problems with a person getting care and getting an adjustment uh, statistically are actually super low. So people hear about, you know, somebody that 
that had this and had a stroke and is that a potential thing that could happen it could happen but it rarely rarely does uh for example the mis you know insurance just like car insurance uh, malpractice insurance is based upon the the, in the number of incidences and chiropractic uh malpractice is one of the lowest of all the the medical specialties and so forth um, and it's because it's a very safe procedure now having said that i will say in upper cervical care uh, upper cervical care is different uh, with upper cervical care because of the type of adjustment corrections we need to make uh, the neck and the head is never twisted pulled or popped uh, never um, so it, it's totally different uh, the procedures are different what needs to be done is different um, so there's no twisting, cracking, or popping in upper cervical. But in all honesty, when it's done correctly in the way the doctors were trained, uh, general chiropractic has been shown. If the doctor's doing their due diligence and they're doing a proper workup and exam and, and, and so forth, uh, it's very safe. So I think that's one of the big misconceptions. And we don't have time on this podcast to go to how that, why that originally <laughs> found it out. Um, uh, but eventually, uh, the, the, uh, a certain trade group of other healthcare providers, uh, um, were found guilty of spreading that rumor on purpose. Uh, it's called the Wilkes trial. Anybody can look that up. So, but that, but that, rep, but that damage of saying that it really is dangerous when it when it wasn't uh, scientifically, that's not true. Um, that that's one of, probably one of the biggest misconceptions. People sometimes are afraid to come in, but we also remind them here, even though general chiropractic is actually uh, very safe, um, we do not do twisting, cracking, or popping. Uh, with the type of work we do here. I think the other, the one other one is, is people come in and they think, and we kind of somewhat, I kind of somewhat alluded to it earlier in our discussion, is people come in and because they're maybe, let's just say that they're, that their dizziness, their vertigo, or, or whatever their symptom that brought them here uh, uh, was, they think that because it happened last Tuesday, that the problem actually started last Tuesday. So if it just started last week, it should, you should be able to fix it uh, you know, quickly, uh, like in just one treatment or two treatments. Um, and yet when we, as an example, do the diagnostic workup and you see, for example, that there, that you should normally have a curve in the neck and their neck is totally straight, which is a history of previous trauma. Um, they've got these thinning of the disc, they've got degenerative disc disease, they've got this progressive disease that tells us that the problem actually started. It's kind of like that heart disease, right? The problem actually started a long time ago. And it just climaxed last Tuesday when you when you experienced that onset of the symptom. Um, so the, a lot of the misconception is is it's too simplistic. They, they're thinking that it just slipped out of place, just pop it back in, and I should get off the table and I should be fixed. Well, you can't undo 20, 30 years of degenerative process, degenerative disease that set the stage for them to get that symptom on last Tuesday. You can't change all of that in you know in one or two times. And uh, so that's the big misconception, and I have to educate patients. And a lot of times when they see their imaging and stuff, the light bulb starts to turn on, that this problem has been brewing for a long time. Um, and just again, just like that, I may get the heart, heart attack one day, but that heart disease was starting years and years ago. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Dutton. Thank you so much for your insight and your time today. This, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, I can't think of anything else, Judge or uh, Dr. Detson yourself. Do you have anything else to add before we close it out? Well, I just appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion because a lot of people that we see, they've already seen five or six doctors by the time they get referred here. Um, and a lot of them it's like, I had no idea. I, I didn't, yeah. I've never heard of upper cervical care. I didn't know idea. And so it's about getting the word out. So people sometimes that thought truly that they just had to live with it. 
um, and they realize that there may be um, uh, th that this should be looked at because again you can't find what you're not looking for so if we don't look at this area you'd never know that it was potentially involved thank you dr dudson um thank you for all the insight and the wonderful insight you, you gave us on your practice thrive head and spinal care thank you so much uh, we appreciate you uh, thank you for this opportunity i've enjoyed this conversation very much thank you Download the Texas Innovators app on the App Store and Google Play. Like and follow the TXI Facebook page linked in the description to keep up with innovation happening in the great state of Texas. As always, thank you for listening. And remember, innovation never sleeps.